This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. All right, here we go, folks. This is Ephesians chapter four. We're in part five of the series. And check it out, we're gonna go um, a couple more weeks. So we got chapter four today. We're gonna go two more weeks. Normally we end our series uh, in the month, but this series we're continuing because I wanna go through every verse, okay? Um, Every verse in Ephesians. So we got chapter four today, chapter five next week and then chapter six after that. So we'll be ending after the second week in August, okay? So here we go, I hope you enjoyed worship today. Uh, We're gonna jump right into this. And so let me pray, it's good to be here. Love y'all, and let's do this today. Father, we thank you for your divine word. We pray that you speak to us, that you stir divine truth in us. Lord, let us, God, never be the same again as a result of your word. Holy Spirit, speak, lead, guide, breathe on this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so just to uh, give a little bit of recap here, just a little bit, um, but um, Ephesians, right? The book of Ephesians um, summarizes the gospel story and how it reshapes every part of our story. Okay, that's Ephesians. I'm gonna say it again, okay? So, so, the, so the book of Ephesians um, summarizes the gospel story, and that's chapters one, two, and three. We're now in chapter four. So now it switches over, okay, into four, five, and six is about our story, or God reshaping our story, or renewing our story, or uh, redeeming our story, or uh, changing our story, right? So that's what the gospel does. The gospel isn't some static religious um, institution or, 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 or religion. This here, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation uh, for those that believe. Okay, so the gospel story, right? it reshapes our story, okay? So once again, just a little bit of recap here. So the the, um, the theme in Ephesians is the power of God, unity in diversity, okay? These are some themes in the gospel, and, and spiritual growth, okay? And I kind of added that one today because you're gonna see here, here in Ephesians 4 that for God to reshape us, we gotta grow up, okay? Now, um, somebody say amen. So, because we're talking about bearing fruit, we're, we're trees of righteousness. The word is a seed. And hey, everything, everything, all the parables concerning the seed, man, that's, that, 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 that's speaking of growth. It's speaking of the process of growth for the purpose of fruitfulness. That's us, okay? So themes in Ephesians, power of God, unity and diversity, and spiritual growth, okay? So I'm gonna read from my notes here and then we're gonna get into Ephesians 4 now. But um, Ephesians teaches that the gospel uh, makes way for a new multi-ethnic family of God, transforming how we live as a new humanity unified in the love of Christ, okay? So here it is, uh, first point. 
The gospel story reshapes our story. The gospel story reshapes our story. That's the gospel. That's what it do. It reshapes us, changes us, renews us. We're changed. We are changed. You're going to see this in Ephesians 4 because as it begins here, you're going to see, okay, now God, because Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, it's all about the gospel story, being in Christ, who we are, our identity in Christ, um, you know, and all those things that um, we're, we're, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. There's a prayer in Ephesians 1 that Paul prays for the Ephesian church. There's a prayer in Ephesians 3. We kind of shared about this last week. Just kind of his heart for them was, was, was all that Christ had for them, that they would know the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of, of, our, of his inheritance in the saints. Like all this good stuff, okay, that comes from being in Christ. And now Ephesians 4, we're going to talk about us being transformed. So once again, as a reminder, our first point here, the gospel story reshapes our story. And so Ephesians 4, here's another point, if you will, is we are one in Jesus, okay? We are one in Jesus. This is where it's going, okay? I'm gonna be in Ephesians 4, 1 in just a minute. But but we gotta understand the difference here because I, I believe the church and even pastors can get um, lost in the weeds of what this is about, okay? So this here is about we are one in Jesus, okay? So one, unity, all that good stuff. But we must remember, and I know this, you know this, it makes a lot of sense when you think about being a Christian, but we must emphasize that we are one in Jesus, okay? There ain't nothing else that makes us one. Okay, now we might appreciate and love different things about each other, but we do not unify as a church around anything else other than Jesus. Okay, now I understand every church community has certain distinctives and differences, and of course, that's the diversity, right? But we must be careful that we don't create an environment as pastors and leaders and even as Christians that we're unifying around things that are not Jesus, okay? And so we're gonna see, we're gonna look at this because this is the thing. Unity, if you're taking notes, this is gonna be a good one to take, but unity is not uniformity, okay? Okay, and in the church at times, you know, I think we can see this, that we've required the church or people in church um, to unify around things that are not Jesus, okay? Uh, intentionally or otherwise, um, you know, consciously or otherwise, um, you can see that happen. That, you know, that that's, we have unified around things that aren't the simplicity of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let's just clear the air. Let's, let, let's clean out the water. Let's, let, let, you know what I'm saying? Jesus and him crucified. That's what he's saying. Now, he's dealing with a diverse community. He's dealing with Jews. There's a synagogue in Ephesus. He's dealing with Greeks, Gentiles, coming out of pagan uh, demonic stuff. And he's saying, look, guys, we are one in Jesus, okay? And so what, what's the difference between uniformity and unity? Here we go. So uniformity is, if you look it up, it means sameness, okay? So my kids, they go to public school, but in their public school, they gotta wear a uniform, okay? One form, they gotta wear 
a certain color collared shirt and they got to wear certain colored pants. Okay. So it's a uniform. You go up in there, everybody looks the same. That is uniformity. One uniform. Okay. And so it means sameness or lack of variety or lack of diversity. We don't take the gospel and start to fill a bunch of other stuff in with it and say, this is what we unify around. You know, um, we don't unify around a, 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 um, a political party. We cannot, I, I, I cannot in good conscience unify a church community around a political party. It's not the gospel. Cannot unify around um, a, a certain type of, of culture, ethnicity. Why? It's not Jesus, okay? Um, so it's unity in diversity. How can diverse people unify? Um, because we are unifying around one person. His name is Jesus. Unity is different. Unity is biblical unity. I'm going to read the definition. Is the harmony from sharing likeness of nature with the Lord. So our unity is Christ's likeness in us. We unify around the nature of God, that it is the divine nature we unify around. I may be able to connect with certain people because of my background, and um, I may connect and want to kick it with other skateboarders, even in my old age here. Why? Because it's just, it's a cultural piece, something I grew up doing. But when it comes to true unity, it has nothing to do with that. It is the harmony from sharing likeness of nature with the Lord. We all are uniquely gifted to build his church, okay? We are one in Jesus. Here's a couple other things from my notes. We all are accountable for our spiritual growth. Okay, we're gonna get into these things in Ephesians 4. And this whole thing here, the kingdom of God, the gospel, the church, um, being a Christ follower, this is what it's about. We'll get into this near the end of this chapter is we are a new temple and a new humanity with Jesus as the head. All right, so Ephesians chapter four, here we go. Verse one to six, Ephesians four, verse one to six. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy. Here we go, somebody say reshape. Somebody say Jesus, reshape my story. Somebody say Jesus, renew my story. Somebody say Jesus, redeem my story. Here we go. Beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Here comes the challenge now. He's like, man, I spent the last however many sentences or words talking about the gospel story. Now it's about you. What are you going to do with this story? What are you going to do? What, you, how, what? How are you going to steward the mysteries of God? How are you going to steward this encounter you've had? How are you going to steward the revelation you've received? He's like, man, I beseech y'all. Y'all need to walk worthy. Of the calling which you were called, verse 2. Here it is, with all lowliness, gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. We're all one in Jesus. Verse 3, endeavoring 
to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Verse four, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse six, one God, and father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Once again, our unity, it says it all right here. What's it based on? One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. That is who we unify around. Once again, here it is. I'm going to say it. Put it up on the screen. Unity is not uniformity. It is harmony from sharing likeness of nature with the Lord. So, so when you see this though, right? When we see these first um, six verses in Ephesians 4, we, we see this responsibility. We see kind of like this, okay. Well, I mean, he's saying stuff like walk worthy with all lowliness, gentleness, long. He's talking about character. He's talking about um, our behavior. He's talking about how we treat others. And he's saying, uh, you know, bearing with one another. He's talking about being patient with other people. He says the word endeavoring, that speaks of effort. That speaks of some sort of my will is behind making sure we're unified around Jesus, okay? So he knows who he's talking to. There were divisions. You got the super religious over here and you got people coming out of some crazy pagan rituals over here and they're in community. And he's like, y'all need to endeavor to keep the unity of what? Around what? The spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit in the bond of peace. So herein lies the challenge uh, of being part of the body of Christ. Okay, you're in, in the body, you're accepted, you're loved. Every promise in Christ is yes and amen, but you get in this body, let me talk to you, church. You are responsible. You are accountable in this body. All right, he, he's, that's what he's saying. Endeavor to keep unity spirit. Walk worthy, gentleness, lowliness, right? Bearing with one another in love. We, as we are in the body, we are accountable and we are responsible with how we treat people. Okay, so, so unity, when you read these verses, unity is not easy. Can I get an amen? All right, unity is not about me. Can I get an amen? And that's just a phrase. It's not about my own way, my own selfishness, the way I think it should be done right? Unity isn't easy and unity ain't about me. If you're with somebody, look at them and say, unity ain't about you, right? It's about others. It's a unity is about others. Bury with one another in love. You know, when I read that, I feel the weight of that myself. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking myself, was I impatient with anybody this week? The answer is yes, I'm sure. Come on now. Unity isn't about me. And look at, here it is. The, the, herein lies the challenge. Being in the body of Christ, unity will cost me something. It will cost me my selfishness. Unity will cost me my pride. Unity will cost me my self-will for the betterment of the body. Can I get an amen, somebody? So here it is. My next point is this, folks. Unity is an exercise in maturity, okay? When there's a bunch of disunity around, people can't get along, I'm telling you, immaturity is in the room. Can I get an amen? 
Everybody wanting to do it their way, that how they think this person did this. They looked at me like this, and I'm going to say this and do this. And I mean, it's like, okay, people need to grow up up in here. Can I get an amen? Look at, look at verse 7. And it's going into spiritual gifts now. Verse 7, but to each one of us, grace was given. Each one was graced, uh, given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 8, I'm going to read all the way to verse 13. I'm going to read this quickly here. Uh, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. It's really talking about the diversity of gifts here. Uh, now this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first, first descended into the lower parts of the earth. Verse 10, he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Verse 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of itself, um, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity. Somebody say U-N-I-T-Y. Till we all come to the U-N-I-T-Y unity. Uh, verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man or a mature man. You see what I'm saying? This is the theme of spiritual growth here in chapter four. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Here it is, and, and I, I'm making this point very specific, but I, I think I just wanna, I think this kind of can encapsulate it in some of the language we're used to, but here it is. A pastor's role is specific, okay? It's, it's I mean, I, I'll say it this way. There's a very narrow grid of what being a spiritual leader is. Okay, now it's talking about what language I'm used to hearing around these five specific gifts mentioned here that Jesus gave to men in men and women in the church um, is uh, is the they call it the fivefold ministry or you know because it's like these five gifts that are people in the body that are gifted gifted by God grace to do what to equip the saints for the work of the ministry so. It's to bring people into unity and maturity, okay? So that's why I put it there, a pastor's role specific. There, and this is part of unity because there's no other job description for a spiritual leader other than to equip people, equip the body, train them for the work of ministry. So that's what it is. There's, there's nothing else in there. So all this other stuff in our culture of what pastors have become, it, it's, it's very specific. It's narrow. It, it's, it's just, it's this. Like my wife and I always try to emphasize to our community, hey guys, our role is uh, spiritual things. That's what it is. Now, does, do those things touch every other area of our life? Yes. And, yeah, but my role is that Christ, Paul said, you know, I travail in birth. This is what Apostle Paul said. I travail in birth until Christ is formed in you. Okay, and, and he mentioned his concern for all the churches. So that is it. That, that is it. Now, uh, um, it, it's, it's, it's a lot, 
but but it's it's very it's a lot meaning the weight of it and the call of it is no joke but that is what it is there's nothing else it's nothing else okay and and so and so a spiritual leader does these things and i'm gonna i'm gonna read the four i kind of reworded these four things mentioned in these verses just to bring some just to break it down a little bit okay so here it is spiritual leadership does these four things they are gifted to lead the body into unity not uniformity okay amen number two spiritual leadership does this they bring people into deeper knowledge of christ if there's anything else going on in a pulpit other than this it's mixed there's the stuff in it don't need to be there it don't need to be there Come on, somebody. Ephesians 4. This is the role of pastors, spiritual leadership. I'm going to read one, number one again. They are gifted by God to lead the body into unity, not uniformity. They are gifted and called by God to bring people into deeper knowledge of Christ. Number three, spiritual leaders are called by God to help people in their maturation process. Okay, number four, the goal of Pastoral leadership, spiritual leadership, all right? Their goal and vision for others must always be Christ-likeness. That's it. That's all. Todos. No mas. Somebody say amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. This continues now. And, um, and it just breaks down the true role of a pastor. This is the weight of their ministry. This is the call. This is it. Okay, verse 14, that we should no longer be children. There's the spiritual maturity part. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. I'm telling you, if you're not under spiritual authority, some kind of spiritual leadership, the, 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 the role, you, you need to be. I, I, and I know that word under scares people, right? I know that word authority scares people. I understand why, because it's been abused. But under is just a part of that, 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 that I have an apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher equipping me, teaching me, okay? Um, that we should know why. Why do we need it? So we can no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, every, every kind of weird, demonic teaching that is unbiblical, and it's not getting people anywhere, all right? By the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, I'm telling you, when you're not connected to Christ, primero, and, and a community and, and spiritual leadership, I mean, you're gonna get tossed around. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. It's verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, See, everything leads to Christ, not the person, not the personality, but Christ, not, not the culture of the church, that church, like, you know, not what, who, like, none of that matters. It is Christ. It is that we are called to lead people to Christ. And I know when we say that, we, people think, oh, an altar call. No, I'm talking about people that have been walking with God. My calling is to lead them to Jesus, right? In every aspect, like, man, Jesus. Jesus, 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 right? That we in all things into him who's the head Christ, verse 16, uh, from whom the whole body, from whom the whole body joined and knit together. Here's the community piece. 
the whole body joining it together uh, by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I'm telling you right now, a truth being spoken in love is requisite to your spiritual growth. The truth in love, okay? It's not enough. A, a truth, truth alone, the truth, the hard truth is not enough. We need love. And, and just the care and concern for a soul and just the empathy and the compassion alone is not enough. We need, and because look, this is a theme here, spiritual growth, right? My story being reshaped by the gospel story, I need, I need truth spoken to me in love. I, I need, I need both. I need truth to confront my condition and I need it to be in love. Can I get an amen? We don't need people just being like, I'm going to say it like it is. And they come up with just nasty, right? Because you can speak truth in nasty. Can somebody say amen? And, and, and you can be so loving and caring and, oh, let me just be here with you. And you ain't telling them the truth. Come on now. And we, so it is both and. All right. Let's not, we don't, we, we ought not pick one or the other. Lord Jesus, help us to hear the truth spoken in love. And Lord, help us speak the truth in love to one another. We need both. It's not enough to tell people who they are in Christ. It's not enough. It is, let me tell you something here. It is not enough to simply just tell people God loves them. Yes, that is the truth. It's not enough just to tell them that. And like, okay, my job is done. Jesus loves you. Come on now. All right. We must show them by our actions that he loves them. All right. The Bible says that love is not in word. It is in action and in truth. Okay. All right. It is the light and love of Christ in me that tells them that he loves them, all right? So, so once again, it's not enough for us folks to just simply tell people who they are in Christ. That, yes, tell them that, but that does not promote spiritual growth alone. We got too many people walking around like, talking about how God loves them and they're not growing. Can I get an amen? His love is the basis. His love is the foundation. But we must speak the truth in love that we might grow. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Somebody say amen out there. Verse 15 again. Look at this, Ephesians 4, 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, hallelujah. We must, it is not enough for spiritual leaders to just talk about who people are in Christ. We've done that too long. We must provide also the necessary process that spiritual growth requires because spiritual growth is a process and it gets ugly sometimes. 
it gets messy sometimes. And we can't just go around, um, you know, just like flashing a pan, just telling people, you know, thank you for coming to church. God loves you. See you next week. Come on now. We, we must provide a process. We must be in the process with people. We must walk with them. We must show them by our actions. We must do life with people. We must, we must engage with people. We do not grow just in this isolated, alone environment. God is part of life and part of what we need, but we grow in the context of relationship and community, okay? Look at what is the process? Here we go, we're gonna get into this now. Well, I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna be straight up with you guys, okay? Like this is it, okay? There, so, so when I say um, telling people who they are isn't enough, Okay, it's not enough for me just to tell Dominico, Giovanna, Luciano that they're amazing and I love them. I do that all the time, but it's not enough. I gotta show them. I gotta show them how to do this thing. I gotta show them. You know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta show them. They're gonna have to do some things that are uncomfortable at times. They're gonna have to get up and get moving and 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 and, and be responsible and follow through with what you said and. And, and do what's uncomfortable at times because doing the right thing doesn't always feel good and doing the right thing isn't always comfortable and doing the right thing isn't always easy, okay? It's not enough just for me to tell them how great they are because there's gonna be moments where, you know, they're gonna have to go through a process, okay? So here it is, the unavoidable process for spiritual formation, growth, and maturity is death. Can I get an amen? I know that's like a strong word, but I'm going somewhere. Hang on with me, okay? Don't just put that out there and misquote me. People are going to think you're hearing something crazy. But I'm going to say it again. The unavoidable process for spiritual formation, growth, and maturity is death, okay? How do I know that? Because um, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit, okay? Um, Jesus, the first begotten of the Father, went, descended into the lower parts of the earth. He died, right? He rose again. But now you got all kinds of sons of God and sons and daughters of God throughout the ages and on the earth right now, okay? And so life came from his death. And, and Apostle Paul even said, this is what he said. He said, I die daily. Okay, so what, what am I saying? The greatness in you, the profoundness of what God has put in you is unlocked, unraveled, manifested, actualized, and produced through death. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about death to the old nature, death of your pride, right? Um, Jesus said, if anybody wishes to come after me, he must first deny himself, refuse himself, deny, right? Deny himself, take up his cross, death, and follow me. Dying to our self-will, our selfish will, our, our old ways, our sinful ways, right? I was 
crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. I'm telling you, the absolute, unavoidable, and necessary process of your spiritual formation, growth, and maturity is going to be death to self. So my next really point, or just so we can see where we're headed here, so you can kind of see the context in where we are in the book of Ephesians, okay? We're about to go into verse 17, okay? And I'm gonna read um, all the way down to verse 24, and I'll say that again, but here it is. Um, old man and new man, Ephesians 4, 17, all the way to 6, verse 9. So this whole part, it's like almost um, two full chapters, okay? It's about two full chapters. Um, so it, it's, it's breaking down the old man, new man. This is what I'm talking about, death, death to what? The old man. This is where growth happens. This is where we're reshaped. This is where we're changed. Um, you, can't, you can't avoid this as a believer. You can't just, you know, put on church attendance and think we're going to grow spiritually. And it, can ha- it happens in that context. I'm not, I'm nothing against that. But, but I'm here to tell you, even as a pastor, church attendance is not the answer. It's not the answer. It's what we're. It's, it's it's where we gather. It's but but that in and of itself, just living your self will, but putting church on top of that. It's not. It's not the way of life. It's the way of religion. Uh, you know what I'm saying. So it's not that there's something wrong with church attendance, but if that's all you have going for you, you're missing it. Okay. So, so right here, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is the nuts and bolts, per se, of your walk with God, of, of just walking with God. This is, look, I'm not trying to sell you something that just, th- this is what it means to walk with God. This is a part. It is laying aside the old man. This, this, is, this is growth and putting on the new man in Christ. Okay, so, so this is where these kind of words you hear come into play, okay? Words like surrender, words like conviction, sanctification. People like to use the word the process. This is where it is. This is where it's happening. Um, you, you might hear words like this, man, I'm really going through it. And I'm speaking as a, as a Christ follower, as somebody walking with God, like they're just, God is maybe dealing with them. Okay, I used to hear a lot when I was younger, a teenager, some of the leaders around me were saying, man, the Lord's purging me right now. You know, he's purging me, purging, right? Taking off the dead fruit, right? Dead fruit, every tree bears fruit, you gotta, you gotta prune it, right? Every tree, you gotta prune it so it can bear more fruit, right? So you ever heard this phrase, the Lord is dealing with some things, right? I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a season of his dealings. Anybody been there? Right, the Lord is dealing with me in this particular area of my life right now. All this, this is where it happens. This is this is it right here. So let's look at Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. I'm gonna read this quickly. This I say, therefore, I testify in the Lord. Here it is, he starts to challenge them. Now there, you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Verse 19, who being past feeling, 
They're numb. They, they, they're callous. Have given themselves over to lewdness. To work all uncleanness with greediness. Verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. Verse 21. If indeed you've heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22. That you put off concerning your former conduct. You got to lay that to rest. Right? The old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Here it is, my next point. This is our walk with God right here. Out with the old, in with the new. This is where it is. This is now um, whether some of these specific sins or behaviors are something maybe you don't personally deal with, but there is something we are all called to say, man, I need to put this off. I need to stop this. This is where my will comes into play. This is where I'm truly stewarding the mysteries of God. I'm stewarding. I'm a steward of the inheritance I've received. I'm a steward of this, the garden of my heart. I am, I am doing my part in my walk with God. He has touched me by grace. He has saved me by grace. He has delivered me. He has saved me. He has, he has chosen me. He has accepted me. He has brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And now I got to be like, okay, out with the old, in with the new. All right. And as it continues here, let's read here. Ephesians chapter 25, all the way to verse 32. I'm going to read this and then we're going to pray. This is, the, this is the rest of Ephesians 4. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. It's change. Saying, we don't do this, but we do this. Right? Verse 26. Be angry. And do not sin. Do not let. Do not let. That's us. That's me. My responsibility. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. This is where you're a steward of your own anger, of your own temperament. Verse 27, nor give place to the devil. What is that saying? As a believer, he's talking to a church. This is an Ephesian church. He's saying, y'all can't be given place to the devil. What does that mean? That we can give place to him. We can open a door. In context, he's speaking of sin we're not dealing with can open the door to the devil. Come on now. That's what he's saying. Don't give place to the devil. Lust, perversion. Come on now, pornography. I don't know, whatever it is. I'm, I'm encouraging you here in your walk to continue walk. Be a steward of this. Don't give place to the devil. Um, we had a couple at Bible study this past week just share their testimony and, and just talking about the certain lifestyle they came out of and what God had delivered them out of. Deliver them out of a, out of a homosexual lifestyle. They're living this lifestyle, and, and the Holy Spirit convicted them, changed them. It was a process, but but they are they are now uh, married 
and, and, and serving the Lord, uh, a, a gentleman and his wife, and they both came out of the um, homosexual lifestyle. She was a lesbian, he was a homosexual, and they were living that life. They actually met in that world, met each other as friends in that world, ended up getting radically saved, fell in love with each other, and got married. Somebody say, praise the Lord, right? But he was saying, look, if I, he, this is what he's telling me. He said, look, don't give place to the devil. And he was, he was sharing this with us at Bible study. Um, th these are people in our church, in our church community. Amazing testimony. But he was sharing that if I'm watching a movie and there's a homosexual scene in it, he's like, I turn it off. It's, I, I'm not going to give place to the devil. So he's got, you know, he's got, he's got certain boundaries based on his past lifestyle. There's certain things I don't watch. I, 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 my wife and I, we don't be watching horror movies. We, 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 that's a personal conviction. We don't, I don't even like watching horror movie trailers, commercials. I don't, I don't like open, I'm not giving place to that. Devils are real. The demons are real. People be playing with that stuff like it's some kind of joke. Man, I'm shutting the door on that garbage. I'm not giving place to the devil. Now, I know some of these things aren't like emphatically written in scripture. Do not watch horror movies. Movies weren't around back then. But the point is, I, I know my will, my past. I got, I came from some stuff. So I ain't trying to give place to the devil. That's what he's saying. If you want to grow, can't be given place, opening the door to the devil. Verse 28, let's move on. Let him who stole, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, that, that he may have something to give him who has need. Verse, 20, verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Don't You don't let it. You don't let it. All right, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. He's talking to Christians, saying, man, y'all need to deal with your stuff. Y'all need to steward this, man, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Come on now, this isn't condemnation. This isn't religion. This is growing. This is spiritual growth. This is, this is cleaning house. This is, I'm going to deal with this stuff. This ain't about me pointing the finger at other people. I got to deal with my own stuff. I got, I got to deal with my own thing. I got to, I got to shut the door on the devil and the demons that I am opening the door to. Come on now. Somebody say amen. Um, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31. Look at this. He's talking to Christians. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you telling you the process, the necessary process of spiritual growth is death. Death to what? These sins, these habits, these things we have open doors to. Shut the door on the devil. Shut the door, keep the devil out, right? Let, let all bitterness, this is, will, this is my will involved, be put away from you with all malice. Verse 32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. This is my last point because it says here to be kind. It's this, folks. Be kind. Be kind. So there we go, folks. This, this chapter, right, as um, we read through Ephesians and we're, as we're just looking at and really seeing the, the full context, we, can, we, 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 we see what God was doing in these people. Okay, and, 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 and this, this Paul, the Apostle Paul's approach as, a, as, a, as, a, as one of the leaders in this city, this community of believers, how he's approaching it and how he was validating the gospel and 
God's grace and love for them in the first half of the book. And now he's like, okay, because of that, therefore, okay, so chapters one, two, and three and chapters four, five, and six are, 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 are separated by one word, therefore. So if God has done all this, if God's grace is like this and his, his predestined plan for you, his choosing of you, his acceptance of you, his redeeming you, and this is who you are. This is identity. But he didn't end with chapter three. It's not enough just to say that. Ephesians, the book, tells us it's not enough just to say that. We must then say, all right? The second word in Ephesians 4.1 is, I therefore, therefore, because of who you are in Christ, because of the riches of his grace, because of the inheritance, the divine promise, therefore, take off this old man. Come on now. Therefore, put this sin away. Therefore, do not give place to the devil. Come on now. This is the responsibility of the saints, the accountability of being chosen. Being chosen, yes. He saved me first, yes. My faith is hinged on his grace, period. And because of grace, you know, it's like grace is not an occasion for the flesh. Grace is not like, oh, cool. I can just do whatever my flesh wants now. I'm covered. No, should, um, should we continue to sin that grace may abound? May it never be, as Paul told the Roman church. Come on now. All right, so herein is, as we get into this, is the challenge. Herein is the difference maker. Will you steward the mysteries of God? Will you steward the call of God? Will you steward your vessel? Hallelujah. I'm telling you right now, it's worth it. I am telling you right now, it is worth it. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Lord. All right, let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for everybody joining today. I, I just pray that we all grow. Lord, I pray, God, that we would take off this old man, uh, address these things in our life by your spirit and your grace, and we grow, God. We produce fruit. We fulfill your divine purpose. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for giving us this new nature, for giving us this new man. Father, I thank you that those that are in Christ are new creations. The old has passed away, the new has come. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. So Lord, I just thank you, God. We receive that. And Lord, we ask you, Lord, show us how to walk in the spirit. Show us, God, how to live in victory. Show us, God, 
how to be ambassadors, Lord, how to be the light of this world. God, show us how the light of Christ and the gospel through our lifestyle will speak to your love for others. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.